0: Uh, so we have been thinking about uh, what, um, you know, some of you have been talking to us, or qu- quite a lot of people talking to us actually, um, about being in the box and being out of the box and what that means, and uh, a lot of you have said you spend a lot of time in the box or that you didn't even know you had a box. Uh, so uh, our goal has been to think about uh, consistently living outside the box, um, that There's a a way of being about us. You know, we've talked about this box. We called it the self deception box. Uh, Self betrayal uh, leads to self deception and being in the box. That was uh, our perspective. You know, we didn't come up with this box. uh, You know, it was some reading and all that we had done and felt like it was a great symbol. Uh, trying to describe uh, some of what we deal with in our own emotions and our own soul. Uh, so when you're when you're in the box, you don't focus on people as people. We see people as objects, people that can uh, fulfill whatever advantage we feel like that we need. And at your influence, And the relationship success that you have will depend on being out of the box, what kind of person you are, how you're dealing with others. Number four was you get out of the box as you cease resisting the humanity of other people. And we're going to talk a little more about that today. But seeing people as people, uh, not just people that can fulfill certain things in our life or that are in our way or are causing us problems, that we treat them uh, in really inappropriate ways, uh, especially in relationship to our uh, commitment and our involvement with Jesus Christ. Really, that's the bottom line of this, isn't it? The bottom line is that if you know Christ, he's made a difference in how you live your life. Right. She, she asked you that question, has it, has it made a difference there? Unfortunately, I, I feel like, as a pastor, that I see a lot of Christians, not just us here, but Christians live their lives like Christ makes no difference in how they treat other people or how they live their lives. I mean, I, I won't, I'll tell you that story. i <laughs> hold on to that one there just a second. It almost came out. Um, No, you see it, don't you? You see it around you. You see the actions, the attitudes, the language of people that call themselves believers. We cannot be that. I mean, if you have Christ in your life, you have accepted a supernatural work uh, within you, and so you might not have arrived there yet. We certainly have not. (laughs) We haven't arrived, but God is working on us, right? It's changing us, and we're open uh, to that change. So today... Our focus is, uh, number five there, you get to choose the level of peace or war, heart of war, heart of peace, that you bring into the relationships that you have based on how you're being. So today we're not just talking about behavior, but a way of being.
1: A way of being. And so we have uh, two ways. Uh, on our notes there, it says a way of being, a heart of war or a heart of peace. So we can make this choice, have a heart of war, or we can make this choice and have a heart of peace. Uh, there's a slide that we're going to show right now that we're going to talk through there that's not in your notes. Your notes are already two pages long today, so we are trying to, to limit that a little bit. This is kind of a diagram on the way of being, okay? So the top part is my behavior, what I might be doing, saying, thinking, or feeling, And then you have kind of the surface level, and underneath, below the surface, is my way of being. That is how I am seeing others. So every time I'm doing a behavior, I get two choices. Is my heart at peace, or is my heart at war when I'm doing this behavior? If my heart is at peace, uh, I see others as people. So where am I uh, in regards to the box? If I've seen another person as a person, I'm... Out of the box, that's right, out of the box. They appear just as real to me as I do to myself. Uh, Their cares and concerns matter the same to me as my own. So we're on a level playing field. And I actively respond to their humanity. So I'm making choices about this person, that I'm seeing them as a person, and we're equal. So they have desires just like I do. They have needs, challenges just like I do. Okay, if my heart is at war towards another person, then I see others as objects, so where am I? In the box. They appear less real to me than I do to myself. Um, you know, I have this thing happening, it's such a big deal, and then Sue tells me about her thing happening. Oh, Sue, for heaven's sake, just get over it. You know what I mean? It's just not as real as mine is, okay? Okay. So my heart would be at war towards her. That's a ridiculous way to respond to her. Uh, Their cares and concerns matter less to me than my own. I'll take care of my stuff, and if I have anything left, I guess I'll help Sue, okay? So it's less to me than my own, and I actively resist their humanity. I am resisting the fact that Sue is a woman with challenges and needs and desires and hopes and dreams just like me. I'm resisting that from her. So I'm completely in the box towards her, and my heart is at war towards her. Not cool. That's not where I want to live. These different choices, heart at peace, heart at war, come every time we do a behavior. Let me give you an example. Because the behavior can get done even with the heart at war, all right? Uh, We had four, four kids in my family growing up, and so we'd switch off who was responsible for dishes. Whenever it was my brother's turn to do dishes, uh, the rule was you had to do them before you went to bed. So my brother was probably in high school, so his, his bedtime was 10.30, 11 o'clock, whatever, 10.30. Let's say 10.30. And so at 10.27, he starts to do the dishes, and he's banging them because he didn't want to do the dishes. He's singing, dishes been very, very good to me, banging them around, splashing stuff. Making his heart was not at peace about doing dishes. His heart was at war about doing dishes. Did the dishes get done? Yes, they did. Did my mom kind of work through that of like, okay, you did the dishes because she couldn't say you didn't do the dishes, but he did them with a heart of war instead of a heart of peace. Have you experienced that at your house? Hey, will, will you help me put these things away? Sure. I'd be glad to do that. That looks happy, doesn't it? That looks peaceful, okay? And they go in and you're opening cabinets and, you know, and you're thinking, wow, this is getting done, but I hope everything is still standing when it's over, right? So we can do the same behavior, but we can choose, are we going to do that with a heart of peace or a heart of war, all right? Um, so when we look at all of this, it's very important that we recognize how we interact with other people uh, causes them to see where our heart is, all right? Because either other people count or they don't. Either we see them as equal or we see them as inferior. There's not much other choice, okay? So they can tell pretty quickly if our heart is at war or at peace towards them by things like our body language, all right? This is a great verse that will help us.
0: So we maybe think about, is this true in Scripture? What does the Bible has to say? You know, The Bible talks a lot about battles that we deal with, and sometimes we think about the enemy coming against us or the wearing the armor of God in there, but the Bible talks very clearly about the battle that goes on inside of us. Uh, look at James 4, uh, 1 through 3. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, if you want to give the answer, you might say she does. <laughs> he does. They do. Whatever that situation is. What causes the fights and the quarrels? What causes it to happen? Look what James' answer is. He says, don't they come from your desire, not hers, not his, not somebody, your desires that do what? Battle within you. And so there is is this sense of heart of war, heart of peace. uh, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you know, kill there. I always think it's not just talking about physically killing somebody. It's like, you know, can't you kill somebody's spirit? Can't you just kill somebody's uh, idea or dream? Uh, You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. That's like, that's exactly what happens at our houses, doesn't it? We don't get what we want, and so there's a, a battle that's going on there. You do not have because you do not ask God, and then when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that, may, that you may spend what you get on your uh, pleasures. Uh, so recognizing that the battle is going on, so what is your war over? Maybe there is war going on inside of you because of things that had happened to you as a child. Maybe abuse that's happened to you in your life, maybe the way that you've been treated or a betrayal that's happened in your life we we meet lots of people in ministry that are dealing with struggles they're doing pretty good on the outside but when it comes right down to it they have they have something going on in their in their life there's a battle going on there that needs to be won that needs to be overcome that needs Christ to be able to come in and bring healing uh, into that situation so what we're asking you to do and I think what the scriptures getting you to think about, is are you honest about what's going on inside of you? What's happening in your soul? Uh, Not just have you received Christ, or did you worship well this morning, or did you go to Bible study? You know, all those things are important, but recognizing that there's stuff going on inside of us many times that we need to be honest about before God, choosing a heart of war or a heart of peace.
1: So, (laughs) uh, any behavior... Can be done with either a heart of peace, which sees others as people with hopes and needs and cares and fears, just like our own, uh, or a heart at war, which sees others as objects. Um, so sometimes um, I think that people get in their mind that if I'm in the box towards somebody else, I'm going to be hard on them. So I'm in here, I'm seeing you as an object, so I'm being pretty tough on you, I'm pretty, pretty hard on you. And if I'm going to be out of the box, that means I have to be easy on you and kind to you all the time. And I can't ever confront you about something that's difficult. It's actually the exact opposite of that. Okay? If you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody because you see them as another person, because you care about them, because you want them to grow into their full potential that God is calling them to be, uh, sometimes you have to go in truth in honesty and have a conversation with them in love. How different is it for that conversation to happen if I see you as another person as opposed to I just am seeing you as an obstacle in my life. I'm just seeing you as a threat. So all of a sudden, I'm not talking to you out of a place of honest love, am I? Because I don't really care. You're just in my way. Get out my way, right? So uh, think about that uh, because I've actually seen people Uh, who have had to have difficult conversations um, come into this man's office. He has prayed for them the whole week. He has uh, tried to consider what he might say. He has a yellow pad out ready to listen to what they have to say to try and process it. I've actually seen people leave his office and turn and say, what a wonderful spanking, Pastor. Thank you so much. That was great. (laughs) Seriously, where he just nailed it Talked them through it, prayed with them. Uh, how often does that happen with your kids? Mom, what a great spanking. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Never happens, right? Boy, that timeout just hit the spot. Thanks so much. That never happens. but it can, it can happen if we will decide that we're going to be truthful with each other. If we can decide that if I see you as another person, I'm going to say honest things to you, I'm going to ask you questions, and then I'm going to listen to try and figure out what is going on in your life and how could I be a part of the solution instead of being part of the problem, right? So that all has to do with this idea of heart of war and a heart of peace. Um, I want to read you this. um, You know, these books we've been studying, the greatest book we've studied, it's called the Bible. It's fantastic. And it's been so exciting that these other books that we've found, these leadership books that we've found, um, have really uh, spoken to our hearts and minds, things that we're trying to figure out how to do better to be better leaders. But then the Lord's brought scripture after scripture to say, you know, that's true. You know, I kind of thought that too. You know, I, I directed you towards these books. So it's been so encouraging. So this is from The Anatomy of Peace. And it says, Seeing an equal person... As an inferior object is an act of violence. That was interesting. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Seeing an equal person as an inferior object is an act of violence. We respond to others' way of being towards us rather than just their behavior. Don't you think that's true? And they respond more to how we're being regarding them than really just our words or actions. Most problems are not failures of strategy, but they're failures of ways of being. No conflict can be solved so long as all parties are convinced that they are right. You ever been in that meeting? Well, I'm right about this. No, I'm right about this. Well, I'm right about this. No, I'm right about this. And you're, okay, meeting over. That was fantastic. We didn't solve anything, right? So solution is impossible, or I'm sorry, is possible only when at least one party begins to consider how they might be wrong. To be wrong does not mean necessarily wrong in my ideas or my beliefs or my thoughts, but in my way of being towards another person. Even if my thoughts and ideas are perfectly correct, the deepest way in which we are right or wrong is our way of being towards others. I can be right on the surface, but my way of being where my heart is can be very ugly. Here's a great question for you. Where do you find your value? Do you find your value in being right or in being in right relationship. Those can be miles apart, can't they? So every one of us has this choice to make. I can honor the choice or I can betray the choice. If I betray, then it leads to self-deception. And self-deception, we know, leads straight to the box. And so pastor's going to share with us these different kind of boxes we got going on.
0: So we were thinking about not only how much fun we've kind of had talking about in and out of the box and maybe you're teasing other people about being in the box. But there's some really inner attitudes and choices that we make that, that bring this about uh, in us. There's a chart for you here uh, that's broken down into kind of f- several boxes, but four big main uh, boxes there. Uh, the two on the left uh, are, all, are both revolve around pride. Uh, and the other two kind of revolve around a lower self-esteem. So you can think about what brings you into the box. What is it that kind of motivates you? The first one uh, we would call because the question is, what kind of bo- what kind of box are you in? What is the reason that you're ending up uh, in the box? Uh, we could have the better than box, the better than box. That's of uh, the the voice that says, um, you know, I'm right. I mean, I... Don't elbow anybody, but uh, you might have some people in your life. You ever met somebody that was just, that felt like they were right about everything? They had an opinion. They, you know, they, they had read it. They knew it. You know, it just, I mean, it's just absolutely sure. You know, they never not know it. They always know it. Uh, and so that, that's a putting yourself in the box because you are, you're right, you're uh, superior. Uh, you're not really saying to that person, I'm better than you. But your actions, your behavior, uh, the way you present yourself uh, makes it look like that. You, you probably got some people in your life that don't, are not even aware that they do that. And they drive you crazy because they know everything, Right? Uh, that's a box uh, that we would say you can be in. Your feelings are, uh, you know, when you're that person, uh, you're impatient because you already know the answer. What are we waiting on? Why don't we just move Because uh, I already know what the right answer is. Um, there's an indifference and even a, um, that every, you know, everybody needs me. So there's, there's that kind of box, better than uh, box. Uh, the one below that, is still based on pride, and it's a must-be-seen-as box. So I need to be well thought of. I'm, uh, I'm going to do whatever is necessary, whether that means kind of fake it or even tell a lie to make me look better, to look right. I'm uh, recognizing that other people are, are being judgmental toward me, and I'm trying to present myself in the best possible light uh, regardless. So it's a must-be-seen-as box. Those pride Areas will send you into the box. Now, the low self esteem side is the other two. Uh, The first one at the top says, I deserve box, uh, where you are presenting yourself as a victim. Uh, unappreciated, nobody cares about me, nobody listens to what I have to say, I'm being mistreated, it's un- they're ungrateful, and you feel entitled and uh, like you um, something is owed to you. That sense of uh, lower self-esteem that causes you uh, to get in the box and to treat people uh, in, a, in a negative way because you think you deserve something uh, from them. Uh, the last one, the lowest level of low self-esteem would be the worse than box. Box where you're decided that you're not as good as somebody else around you, that you are broken, you're not as qualified. Uh, you uh, you kind of let that language. You met people like that. Maybe it's somebody in this room. Don't raise your hand. Uh, but that's the, way, that's the way you talk about things. You might be married to somebody that's like that, that they have very low self-esteem and they talk negatively about themselves and they're putting themselves in the box where they're overwhelmed. Uh, they're, they're feeling helpless, even depression shows up like that, right? When you're feeling depressed, uh, you feel that low self-esteem and you end up responding to other people on the basis of that. So you end up in one of these boxes. Out of the box is, is our goal, getting out of the box. So if you have a healthy view of yourself, healthy view of God, a healthy view of other people, then you're out of the box, and you have a choice about that. You have a choice about your attitude, your perspective, your mindset about yourself, about God, about other people in your life. And you have, when you make that choice to have a heart of peace, then you make a choice to have change uh, in your life.
1: Right. Okay, so grab a pen because this is going to be earth-shattering. I want you to write it down. All right? This is the truth. Every single person Every one of us in this room, 85% of our life is good and 15% is bad. doesn't matter who you are. If we had a conversation, 85% of what you got going on in your life is good, 15% is going to be bad. It is true across the board. Over and over again, we focus on our differences, but actually, our similarities as human beings is much greater than our differences. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what age you are, what ethnicity you are, what color skin you have. It doesn't matter any of that. Our alikeness is much greater than our differences. Uh, now, let me get back to this idea, 85% good, 15% bad, because we focus lots of times on just the bad. I know I do. Uh, there's this story of a dad who's teaching his little girl how to ride her bike. And so he takes her to this huge parking lot. It's, a, it's an off day for this company, so nobody's parked there. It's huge, 100 open parking spaces, nice and flat. This little girl can learn how to ride her bike. He can run behind her. It's going to be perfect. He gets her out, gets her bike out. Oh, it's going to be a great day. You're going to learn how to ride your bike. It's going to be awesome. And she says, "Uh, Dad, there's, there's a light pole. And he says, in a hundred empty places you see see all this wide open she goes yeah but what about that light pole and he says okay we're not gonna hit the light pole because look at all this empty spot I said okay okay so she gets on the bike and she starts to pedal and she starts to learn how to ride and where does she go to the light pole right smack right into the light pole she's crying I told you I was gonna hit the light pole dad that one light pole how many times do you do that over and over again I do that over and over again. Have this whole day that's incredible, and one rotten thing happens, and I come home and John says, how was your day? I was like, yeah, pretty good, except this happened. I hit the light pole. Didn't share with him all the other great things that happened. Just talked about the light pole. How many times has that happened for us? 85% good, 15% bad. Same for all of us. And when we start talking, how you doing? fine. Except, I got a light pole. It's really bumming me out. Right? And our conversation is about the light pole. We forget about the whole open parking lot. So, I think we can change that. I think that we can focus differently. Now, I will tell you, um, honest to goodness, I came out very positive. I'm an optimistic person. Most days, everything is rainbows and roses and sometimes unicorns, and it's all wonderful. And sometimes I need people like my sweet husband who say, we're going to look at the real world today. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of bring it down a little bit here. And so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, But this is one of my very favorite verses because I think it's a rainbows and roses verse. So I want to share it with you. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, will you take your pen and circle every time it says whatever and circle anything, the word anything? This will change your life. This verse will change your marriage, will change how you parent, will change how you work with other people. Because so many times we look at another person and say, oh, I need for them to be all of this. I need for them to be 100% this. Well, that's not what that verse says. That verse says whatever is. That verse says is if anything is. So when I look at my sweet husband and I look at him as a whole, he's a wonderful man, some days I got to find the whatever because we're married, hello, and we're human beings and it's not always perfect, Right? Some days you got to find the whatever. It may look as small as a chicken nugget. Find it. Find the little piece of nobility. Find the little piece of what is right and what is true and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Find that little piece and focus on that piece. And even maybe say, that's excellent. That's praiseworthy. I'm going to think about that today. Because just like your life, It could be 85% great, but boy, we see those 15% bad. But isn't that wonderful that God knew we would need chicken nuggets? We would need to be able to see it's not going to be all pure and true and noble. It just is not. We are human beings. But boy, if we could find that little piece and focus on that instead of everything else that we think is going on, I think it could really change our hearts and minds. I will tell you, I am grateful for this verse because many, many times, I think John has struggled to see the chicken nugget in me. But he's seen something, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I think God saw that in all of us. He saw our potential of what we could become because when he first looked at me, I was not true and noble and right and pure. Isn't that great that God pursued me anyway? Isn't that wonderful that he extended grace and forgiveness to me anyway? Even though I wasn't all those things. Uh, We are literally miracles of mercy walking around because that verse, that one verse, so that can change our relationships. Now, let's look at this pyramid of change. Uh, This, I have thought about this for months, so in the next 10 minutes, (laughs) I'm going to extend my great wisdom to you, all right? So, uh, with your pen at the top where it says correct, will you put a number one next to that? Because we're going to jump all over this pyramid, and I want you to kind of help pace me a little bit here. So number one is correct. Now, when we look at this pyramid... The top part says dealing with things that are going wrong and then see the double hash mark is straight across from the correct and then all of the rest of the pyramid is helping things go right. Isn't it interesting that most of our time is spent trying to deal with the things that are going wrong? It should be the reverse of that. We, sh- we can choose to become proactive people. To where we say, let's spend the majority of our time in the bottom of this pyramid of change, uh, helping things to go right, and then that will, in turn, eventually correct the very top thing, which was what our goal was in the first place. Okay? So number one is correct at the top. Number two is at the very bottom. Get out of the box. Obtain a heart at peace. I cannot correct any situation until I figure out what my way of being is. So if my way of being is a heart at war, I will never correct a situation. I have to obtain a heart of peace in order to create change in a situation, in a person, in a relationship, fill in the blank. I have to be able to obtain that heart of peace. It's my way of being. Now, number three, we're going to jump back up to teach and communicate. So if you put a number three in there, that would be great. Uh, Number three, teach and communicate. Uh, If I am not giving enough information, if I am not uh, communicating correctly, most of the time I'm going to get resistance back rather than cooperation. Uh, If my only goal is behavior management and all I'm offering is punishment only, then I'm not teaching or communicating. Uh, Let's say I come into a staff meeting and pastor has brought drinks and snacks for that staff meeting. And I come in and I've got a bad attitude. I'm late. I don't have all my stuff together. Um, I sit down and he can tell my way of being is not very positive. I have my body language and my tone of voice are pretty negative towards him. And he says to me, you do not have a heart of peace. No snacks and drinks for you today. You just sit there and be quiet. That punishment only, am I going to concentrate much on what's going to happen in the rest of that meeting? I'm going to be sitting there thinking, well, if I'd known that, I would eat breakfast at home. Now I'm thirsty. and Why does he get to be the boss of the snacks? Right? So I, would be, I would not be concentrating on what he's trying to say. So then when he's trying to teach and communicate, I'm not receiving any of that because I'm over there with my heart at war being fussy about no snacks. Okay. So uh, we got to teach and communicate. Number four is right underneath that. Listen and learn about the person's world. Did you know that I don't know everything? He doesn't know everything. And guess what? You don't know everything. All right? So there's a point of humility where we invite other people to share their views and opinions, and it helps to hone our knowledge isn't that great? But that won't happen unless we listen and learn about the other person's world. Uh, it has been such a privilege to get to know Pastor Irene. We sit and talk a lot. Uh, Friday, we were getting everything set up for South Side today. We're so excited about that and praying about that. And when she starts talking and when she starts sharing, you know, I've never lived her life. Uh, we're similar in age and that's it. Her life and my life have been very, very different. So while she's setting things up, I'm listening to her. I'm trying to learn from her because I would love to be a help and and effective in that neighborhood. That's not the neighborhood I grew up in. So I'm not sure I know how to help every way. So can I be humble enough to listen and learn from somebody whose views and opinions are different than mine? Can I be smart enough (laughs) to recognize I don't know everything And I need to learn, I need to ramp up if I can, if I can be a part of this, if I can be a part of the solution. And so um, learning and listening from another person about their world, very important. Number five is build the relationship. Build the relationship. Poor relationships impact my ability to learn. So if my relationship is poor, I'm not going to be able to learn from you, which is right above, or listen very well to you. And I'm definitely not gonna be able to teach or communicate because I don't even have a relationship with you. So there's no ears to hear me, all right? So it's really important that I build that relationship. How do I do that with really important people in my life like my kids? Do I know what they like to do? Am I willing to spend time with them? If I want that relationship with them, it takes an investment. Uh, maybe the coworker that you've been trying to talk with about the Lord and about spiritual things and you know God has put them on your heart. Do you know them? Do you know what they like to do? Do you know anything about them? So working on building a relationship opens up all the doors above it. If I have a relationship, then I can listen and learn. Then I might be able to teach and, and communicate. Then we might have a correct way of being towards each other. Number six, the last one, is build relationships with others who have influence on the person. If I, uh, and maybe you've been in this situation, maybe your son or daughter bring home a friend and you're not crazy about them. And so immediately you're like, I don't want you to hang out with them anymore. Uh, This pyramid of change just completely derailed, there's no chance. But if I would say, uh, I'd like to get to know your friend a little bit better, let's have them over to dinner. Uh, I, I want to find out what's, what their family's like. Uh, how, how can I get to know them better? How can I figure out what's important in their life? You start spending time together. And then you find out one or two things. Either the kid's different than you thought they were, and it might be okay for a kid to hang out. Or lots of times this happens, uh, you start actually maybe liking the kid, and your kid says, eh, never mind, we're not going to hang out anymore. <laughs> so it kind of solves both problems, right? Uh, it's important for me, uh, if I know that I, there's a group of guys influencing my husband's life, why would I not invest in those guys? Why would I not find out more about them and get to know them? If, he, if they're influencing his life, I want to know them. I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to be able to have conversation with them. So I have to build relationships with other people who influence the person that maybe I want to have change with, okay? Have you ever heard this? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So sometimes coming at that relationship is a little bit different. You probably experience that. If you have siblings, I guarantee you experience that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend because... Maybe your brother drove you nuts, but you guys would come together if you wanted something from your mom or dad, right? So the enemy of my enemy is now my friend. We're coming. We're getting together, and we're going to come at this. You've probably experienced it if you're a parent. Behind closed doors, you have this conversation. We're not doing this. We are doing this. I don't think we should do this. We should do this. And you decide what you're doing, and you come out, and you say to your kids, we're together on this. This is what we're doing. Don't talk to your dad. Don't talk to me. We're together, okay? So we... Cut that off, right? So the enemy of my enemy can be my friend, is my friend. Um, It's really important for us to recognize for this whole pyramid of change to happen, if I am in the box, I am blind to the possibilities of any change happening because all that's important to me is that my stuff is justified. I have to step out of that box in order for any of this pyramid of change to work. Okay, so if you're in the box, don't worry about change because it can't happen. Your focus is completely wrong. You got to step out of the box in order to have uh, the justification fall away, the blame fall away to where now I can focus on what needs to change. All right, three rules to this. So you might want to write these down. Number one, time and effort should be spent on the lower levels, not the upper level. So on this break apart, it's gone, on this break apart on your, ch- on your pyramid, sorry about that, the correct and everything below it, our most time and effort should be spent on helping things to go right rather than dealing with the things that are going wrong. That's pretty much the opposite of how we work, isn't it? Okay, but that's how it has to be. So number one, we need to be proactive. Number two, the solution to any problem at one level is always the level below it. Okay, so you're looking, I need to correct this situation. Well, then I need to teach and communicate what the proper way to handle is. Uh, I need to teach and communicate. Well, then I better be listening and learning what this person knows and what they don't know so that I can teach and communicate the proper things. So the answer to any problem at a level is the level right below it. Okay, and number three, ultimately, my effectiveness at every single one of these levels depends on my way of being. So if that bottom level, get out of the box, obtain a heart of peace, is not right, nothing will be right above it. I have to get my heart right for anything above it to be right. This whole pyramid of change, this whole idea, we have to create space for another person to get out of the box and realize this. We can't walk over to a person and say, Okay, you're in the box, and if you get out of the box, because now we're going to change, and here's the pyramid, and that's how it's going to happen, okay? We have to create space for that person to recognize some of this and be able to happen on its own. Uh, For years, I have worked with children. Um, I've been doing this job for five years, and then 12 years before that, I did kids own pastor here. And during that time, I also worked with children from our district, Um, help with different things, taught school and and did like substitute teaching, homebound tutoring, all that kind of stuff. So I was with kids a lot. Uh, I will tell you it was very, very rare for me to find a kid that I didn't like. Um, I could tell you about adults I didn't necessarily get along with, (laughs) but kids I was good with, I was golden with. Uh, I will tell you there was this one kid, and man, he drove me nuts. I could not embrace who he was. I couldn't figure out how to, how to love him. And I'll tell you, he knew it right off the bat. I mean, it took him five seconds to recognize, I don't like this lady, and she doesn't like me. So he felt the same way about me that I felt about him. Now, here's the problem. I'm the Jesus lady at church, right? And I want him to love God, and I want him to love people, and I'm going to teach him how to do all of that. And he walks in and sits down, and his first thought is, I don't like her. She doesn't like me. I don't like her. I don't want to listen to her. I don't want to participate. I don't want to cooperate. I have no desire to be here. Problem, right? And so I thought, what am I going to do to get through to this kid? Because it can't, it can't be this way. And so I'm trying to think, what's, what's the smart thing to do? Well, I'll go and talk to, talk to his parents. That's going to go over well, isn't it? Hi, I don't like your kid. He doesn't like me. How are things? Welcome to church. How are things going? You know, that's not going to go over. Can you imagine how you would respond if somebody came and talked to you about your kid that way? Ooh, that mama bear in me would be like, you what? You know, that would not be good. So I thought that's not going to work at all. So I started praying, Lord, you know how I feel. You know what's going on here. And you know his little heart and mind. He doesn't care what I have to say. He knows I don't like him. It's vice versa. This is not good. So I prayed for a week, came back, talked with the kid, exact same. He didn't like me, I didn't like him. The next week, the next week, the next week, it took probably a solid month praying for that kid every day. Lord, help me to see, help me to see Philippians 4.8 in this kid. Help me to find a chicken nugget in this kid. And you know, my eyesight started to change. When I saw him, he would say something, and I'd think, you know, that's pretty funny. This kid's got a good sense of humor. He's, he's pretty clever. His timing's way off, but he's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and different things would start happening. He would have an answer to a question, and I would think, man, I never even thought about it that way. That's much deeper than I was going to say. Great job. I never even thought. That helped me so much. Thank you for that answer. Or he'd read a verse, and how he read it, he knew what that verse meant. And I heard it and thought, I don't know if I've ever read that verse that way, man. That is great. That helps me so much. And all of a sudden, I didn't dislike that kid anymore. All of a sudden, I saw this person, this little person in front of me who had all this potential for God, and he was figuring it out. And I could see ways now that maybe I could help him figure it out. I could be a part of his story. You know, he didn't change at all, I changed completely. Isn't that interesting how God can see our heart and say, Cheryl, you you got a heart of war. You could be in this room with 50 kids and 49 of them, you have a heart of peace. But this one kid, you have a heart of war towards this kid. It's causing him to collude. Remember a few weeks ago we learned about collusion. It's causing him to come right back at you. And so the two of you are justifying your own opinions <laughs> and you're blaming each other. And there's there's no solution to be had, so you got to change your heart, and then maybe things could change. Isn't that remarkable that you the the situation didn't change? You could be in a situation right now where you could say, "I have no idea this situation is going to change." You're still in the same situation, maybe with the same consequences, and yet you could have a heart of peace about it instead of a heart of war. I'm so grateful. That that's the kind of God that we serve who could come to us and say, no, I'm going to change your heart about this. Because he sure did for me about that young man. Uh, it was a, a privilege then to get to watch him grow up and become this amazing person that God has used and worked in and worked towards. And I'm so glad I didn't miss it because I would have. I would have if the Lord wouldn't have allowed my heart to change.
0: So we're coming to a place of trying to land this plane here. You know, we've been on three weeks. Um, so we want you to think finally about some principles uh, that we've kind of gone over and then look at some specific ways that, uh, that those things can be accomplished. You see at the bottom of uh, the second page there, uh, recovering kind of clarity and peace. Uh, this whole thing was about getting out of the box. So uh, ways that you can do that. Uh, look for signs of the box meaning look around at yourself and notice why and when you're finding yourself in the box. Maybe it's around blame or justification or one of those box styles that we talked about uh, today, recognizing what is it that's putting me in that position to make me respond uh, like that. Uh, Number two, find an out-of-the-box place. What I mean by that is uh, find a find a relationship where it's positive and you're you have the right kind of relationship with them and use that relationship to help model other relationships that need to be improved so you have a kind of your out-of the box place uh, you have a an activity, a place some some kind of relationship that helps you know I can have those kind of relationships in my life, and I have something to to evaluate uh, on the basis of that. Uh, thinking about asking questions we talked about that one of the weeks was um, getting a new perspective on this person. she just described that very well, uh, maybe asking some questions like um, you know what are what are the challenges or the trials or the problems or pains that this person is dealing with? What's, what's going on in this person that I really can't seem to, uh, to get along with? Or how am I adding to those challenges or trials and burdens? Don't, don't you just get sick and tired of things sometimes and you just want to poke? You just want to say something? You know, like, she's not in here. Um, my wife, I know. <laughs> I know what gets her. You know, I know what not to say. You know, like I do not say you're in the box. That would not go over very well. So, I have not said that. Some of y'all have, but uh, about yourselves. And um, but you know, we know we know what gets people right. We we know that that language or that attitude or that word that that's what's gonna gonna spark them up. So we know if we're gonna participate in helping have a, a very peaceful relationship, or are we gonna you know, get ourselves in the box and then act in certain ways that are going to cause more problems. Uh, C says, in what other ways have I neglected or mistreated this person? What have I done uh, to contribute to that? I'm looking at myself, not just placing blame on somebody else. In what ways are those other box ideas better than, I deserve, worse than, need to be seen? How am I using those things uh, to contribute to a heart of peace, Or a heart of war? And finally, what am I feeling that I should do for this person? So, to get out of the box, to stay out of the box, we act on what we've discovered. What have we learned? What have we gained uh, in this relationship? And am I going to do what I'm feeling that I should do? Um, Am I going to do the right thing? The last paragraph there at the bottom says Being out of the box will allow you for the first time to see the situation clearly. Without exaggeration or justification. Isn't it the truth sometimes that, you know, it's not that I'm lying or I'm making up stuff. I'm just exaggerating the whole situation. I'm making them look so much worse uh, in the situation because of how I'm feeling about it. Uh, it will position you to begin to exert influence toward peace instead of provocation toward war. We know that a heart at peace alone won't solve your. Uh, outer complex problems, those problems can't begin to be solved, though, without a heart uh, of peace. So uh, where have I been hurt? What of struggles have I had that are causing me uh, to be uh, out of the box? Now, we're going we're gonna to finish this together about uh, how do I stay out of the box? How do I act in a way that Jesus would say with being a peacemaker? Blessed are uh, the peacemakers. For they will be the children of God.
1: So on that, that second page there, how do I say "Oh, the box and choose to be a peacemaker? P, plan a peace conversation. Conversation is that blank. Uh, talk together. Matthew 5.24 says, if you remember that your brother has something against you, go at once to make peace. So as Christians, it's our responsibility to take the initiative to create peace. And so uh, one of the words of advice there is schedule it when it is good for the other person, not just for you. Lots of times we say, I'm going to go to this peace conversation, and we choose the most inopportune time for the other person. And we're like, oh, but I want you to hear my heart. And they're like, I got these thousand things going. How am I supposed to hear your heart? So pay attention uh, to make sure that it's, it's scheduled in a good time for the other person. So we're taking the initiative being proactive. Letter E is empathize empathize with their feelings, and then let's circle listen like a hundred times at the end there, okay? First uh, Peter 3, 8, be full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. You know that listen equals respect. Uh, so if I can hear what you're saying, that will help me to respond to you. Romans 15, 2, we must bear the burden Of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others, and I want to give you a difference here. Sympathy says, "I'm sorry you're hurt. Sorry you're hurting." Empathy says, "I'm hurting with you." Two different things. Sympathy: "I'm sorry that you're hurting." Empathy is: "I'm hurting right along with you." Uh, One of an an older uh, cartoon was a husband that said, "What's the point of being on speaking terms?" if we aren't on listening terms? That's pretty good, isn't it? What's the point of being on speaking terms if we're not on listening terms? And then uh, this last one, or the A, is attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. Uh, It's important that we do away with things like lies or pretending or even blame. We just gotta put those away because we're attacking the problem together not attacking the person. So I have no need for justification. I have no need to be a jerk towards you because I'm not blaming you. I'm just trying to express what I think is happening in this situation. So I'm telling the truth, spoken in love, which means I'm out of the box, right? Because I'm seeing you as another person, another human being. My body language has so much to do with that. My tone of voice has so much to do with that. So it's really important that I pay attention to those things because... You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. That's good. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. So it's very important for us to pay attention. We're attacking the problem, not the person.
0: P-E-A. The C is uh, cooperate uh, as much as possible. Uh, Cooperate with with each other. Uh, Cooperate and so that you can work together. Look at this verse from... Romans 12, 8. Let's read that together. Ready? Do everything possible on your part to live at peace with all men. That's a pretty good verse about what we've been talking about here. Living at peace and with a heart of peace and doing everything you can to maintain the peace there. What what is your role there? So uh, cooperating as much as possible. Uh, You can read 317 from James 318 there. Um, The last one is... Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Cheryl asked you earlier, uh, do you really value being right or being in the right relationship? You know, deciding that, what's going to have to happen there? Because reconciliation means reestablish the relationship resolution means to resolve the issue, and you're never going to resolve every issue, right? right? I mean, if two people are exactly the same, then one of them's not necessary, right? Uh, so we recognize that we have differences. God made us different. You married somebody very different. It's one of the reasons that you're so on the edge of your seat about this topic, because you're trying to figure out this other person that you live with. What is, what's going on with them? And how do I uh, place that upon myself? But our goal has to be reconciliation of the relationship, not resolution of every problem and getting them to think exactly like I do. Uh, even God did that. 2 Corinthians 5.18, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Aren't you glad he didn't wait for you to get perfect? Mm. To make it possible for you to have a right relationship with God. He took you in just as dirty and muddy and messy as you ever were. And he welcomed you in and embraced you as his child. He didn't want to leave you that way, but he welcomes you and reconciles the relationship with you even though everything is not perfect. Let's offer that to the people around us. That's what he means there, that he has offered us the ministry of fixing everybody nope. You get the ministry of reconciliation, that you bring the value in the relationship being right, not necessarily that I got to be right or I got to fix all of this. So Colossians 3.15, very last verse says, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's the heart of peace right there. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word rule there is the word we get our English word, umpire, from. So it's like the peace of Christ becomes, it sets the boundaries. The peace of Christ controls whether it's fair or foul. The peace of Christ becomes the thing that guides, how am I stepping into these relationships? Now the last part of this is that when, when you have peace with God, then you get peace. the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, then you can have peace with other people. That's the order. you got to have peace in your own heart to ever be able to be at peace with the other people in your life. So let the peace of of God rule your heart. Uh, Cheryl and I were talking about um, big moments, big days in in our life. And um, what did you say? Uh, August twelfth, nineteen
1: 1989. I got to become a wife, and uh, March 16, 1995, I got to become a mom.
0: Those are big days. You know, I got married on uh, July 17, 1982. Had, a, had that day not happened, uh, my life would have gone a different direction. Sure. That, that one decisive day made such a big difference. Don't you have a, a lot of days like that where you kind of realize that the decision you made? Sometime in June of 2016, I decided to move to Pekin. Uh, That changed my life, Uh, changed our our relationships, uh, just willing to, I mean, if I hadn't made that one decision, my life would have went a totally different direction, and there's a good chance none of us would have ever even met, but God, thank you, thank you. (laughs) So what I want to ask you is, uh, what decision could you make today, April the 22nd, 2018, Could you make a decision about these concepts that we've been talking about and be a different person next week and next year that you can look back and know that my choice about this silly box, my choices about how I'm going to live my life, who I'm going to be, how I'm going to have awareness about my own heart and my own attitude, and I'm going to quit blaming other people, and I'm going to live a life that is going to be at a heart of peace. That'd be a great decision, wouldn't it? I mean, you, if, if you don't know Christ, you got no shot. Like this whole conversation we've been having for three weeks, you cannot pull this off without Jesus. I mean, you, go, you, it's, you can try, you can grit your teeth, you can do it, but you're just going to fall back into default, which is back on your own self. Christ is the supernatural one that comes and brings us. Gen- I got no heart of peace without him. So you got to put your trust in him. Receive him. Make sure that your relationship with him is solid, growing. Now, you're not going to walk out of here. We're going to make a decision in prayer in just a second. But I'm telling you, you're not going to walk out of here with it all figured out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just saying a prayer is not going to fix everything. But if you make a prayer of availability to God for him to bring about this change in your life, he'll start working on you. Mm-hmm. He'll start coaching and teaching you, and the Holy Spirit will remind you, and you'll hear Cheryl's voice talking to you about this box. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Make a decision today that I'm going to be different. My marriage is going to be different. My relationship with my kids, the people I work with, are going to be different because Christ is going to help me to live out of the box with a heart of peace. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? Thank you. This incredible uh, these three weeks together. Lord, thank you for teaching us. Uh, thank you for showing us how much we didn't know, how much we needed to learn from you. How much we need your coaching, your guidance, your Holy Spirit that is ever present with us. Lord, we commit today to be different, not in our strength but in yours. We Sign up for the Holy Spirit class on getting out of the box, staying out of the box, and living with a heart of peace. We pray that what happened to Cheryl with this child would happen to us, that we would pray, that we would see little things that we could value, and that, Lord, maybe they don't change at all, but maybe we change, and our relationship changes, and I believe they'll get better because you helped us. Teach us how to treat others. Teach us how to walk with you with a heart of peace, Lord. Thank you and praise you together. In Jesus' name, amen.